listening to the teaching of Doxa Church. Doxa is located in Spartanburg, South Carolina, and our mission is to glorify God through the fulfillment of the Great Commission. So how many of you like to go to the doctor? <laughs> we'll, leave, we'll go right into it. Uh, yeah, no, nobody, right? I mean, you know, that's, that's like me. And I mean, if, if you go to the doctor, I mean, nobody likes getting bad news, right? Nobody, right? Uh, yeah. Well, I, I remember a time I went to the doctor. This has been years ago, and, and I, I went to the doctor. I was having some issues with my foot, didn't know what it was. So I go to the doctor, go to my family doctor. I've been seeing him for years. Um, sweet little old man. Uh, and, you know, his wife taught art at our middle school. I mean, they were just a, the sweetest little family. And I remember going to see him. He diagnosed the problems with my foot. And he's, you know, he's like, oh, you're, you got gout. And I was like, okay, I don't know what that is, but it's painful. Um, and then he was like, yeah, let's just, let's just kind of go over some of your numbers, if you don't mind. And yeah, that was my first thought was, oh, <laughs> great. And anyway, I'm, I'm like, we're going through all this stuff. And like, he ends like the, the visit. And he's like, hey, Lee, you're pretty healthy. Like, you're, you're doing pretty good. And I'm going, I am? You know, it's like, I am, you know, so I walked out of there going, you know, all right, I'm pretty healthy. Six months later, I got to go back. I got a sinus infection. He's not in the office. So I get to see the other doctor in the practice who is, he was in a military doctor. He's straight to the point. You know, I liked him too, but didn't like him as much as, as the other doctor. But anyway, he gives me my prescription, puts me on all kinds of medication, tells me to take a break. And he says, as I've been looking at your numbers, I got something, I'm just, it's, I got to tell you this. And I was like, he's going to tell me I'm healthy because six months ago I was, I was good. And he pulls this chart out and he goes, you know, your blood pressure's a little bit elevated and um, you're morbidly obese. And I was like, hold on a minute, hold on a minute. The same guy that was in your, like the guy that has an office right next door to you said I was healthy and you're going to show me on a chart that I'm morbidly obese. And he, he's like, yeah. He's like, so if you don't fix it, he's like, I know your family history. He goes, if you don't fix it, like, you're going to be dead in six months. And I'm like going, how in six months do you go from being healthy to now I'm going to die, okay? So I wasn't even looking at WebMD. I mean, you look at WebMD, you are going to die. But, I mean, I was just like, how does this happen? And, but but I, I got to thinking about this as, as I was studying this passage, like, you know, we can do that where we can go into like a doctor's visit and we can think one thing and we can walk out of there with either news that just absolutely just brings us down or we can leave there. Not often do we leave there and we're like, hey, I'm doing pretty good. But, you know, we, we don't really know, right? Until we get the checkup and we, we kind of have to, to take the prescription, we really don't know if we're healthy or not. And so this is kind of what's happened here as we transition Paul is transitioning from the end times and he's actually going to end up this letter to this church in Thessalonica and he's going to give them some, some things, a, a prescription is what I see. It's a prescription for a healthy church in these next few verses. And see, sometimes we can do that even with church. We can, we can look at some things that are going on in church and we can say, hey, we're at a pretty healthy place. Numbers are going up, worship's good, all these things are happening, and we're like, hey, we're in a pretty, we're in a pretty good spot. We're, we're a pretty healthy church. But yet, when we peel back some layers, we may not be as healthy as we think we are. And so today, Paul's going to kind of give us this prescription, and I just wanted to take a, a minute and say, okay, all right, Paul, what are you telling this church in Thessalonica, in Thessalonica? And then how can we use that to kind of, gauge where we are on this sliding scale of whether or not we're healthy or not. So if you got a Bible, again, chapter 5, starting in verse 12, Paul says this. He says, we ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you, and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. See that no one repays evil for evil, but always seeks to do good to one another and to everyone. Now, this is pretty straightforward, right? I mean, you're, you're listening to this. It's, Paul has given them a pretty 
easy task to do, right? He's telling them pretty much as it, as it is. So, I mean, there's, gonna, there's two points to this message. It couldn't be any simpler. Point number one is love your leaders, okay? These are the first two verses we see here, verses 12 and 13. And if we, if we remember back, uh, David has done a really good job of kind of showing us who this church is and kind of showing us, uh, you know, kind of where they were. Like, we, remember, we looked at Acts 17 in the first week that we started talking about this. And, you know, he told us that Paul was there for three Sabbaths for about three, three and a half weeks. And then Paul and Silas and Timothy, they were all run out of town. So you can imagine starting a church like that, and then now you've set up leaders in this church, and now the leaders have got to deal with what they left behind. So now you can imagine these leaders in this church at Thessalonica have got these Jewish people who are, who are kind of on them, right? And then they've got dealings inside the church. They've got that pressure outside the church. And then they're dealing with members inside the church who, who we, you know, we talked about it a couple weeks ago. Uh, we're talking about the end times who were looking at the end times as like their ticket out. And they're like, hey, if Jesus is coming back, I'm selling everything I've got. You know, I'm going to just kind of wait on Jesus to return. And they ended up being a, a burden to the church. So they're dealing with that. Uh, a couple weeks ago that you, we heard Paul talk about, you know, you had these people who were concerned about their loved ones who had just died. So there's a heaviness there. So when you really look through this, this book, you can see that there's, there's some things that are happening. Like the leaders are really, you know, this is a church plant. So that on top of it is, 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 is a struggle. It's tough. And so these leaders, they, 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 had it, they had it pretty rough. So they needed to be loved. So we see that as Paul opens this up here. But, but who were the leaders? So we're going to ask a couple questions of this text. And the first one I think we need to look at is who were they? So if, if we look through uh, the books that Paul wrote and the churches that he set up and the churches that they set up in Acts, uh, we see these leaders, the same word, the same root word, it kind of runs through uh, these, these, these books of the Bible in the New Testament. And you see like Romans 12, chapter 4 through 8, 1 Timothy 5, 17, and Titus 1, 5, you see this root word uh, that, that, that means leader. And basically what Paul is telling us is these were the elders, the overseers, the bishops, and the pastors. Basically, that's all one word, okay? That's all sort of the same, same type heading. They all kind of do different things, but they're kind of held in high esteem there as Paul sets up these churches. So that's who they were. So I wanted to say, okay, if we see who they are, we can kind of you know, deduce that from looking through some of these uh, letters that Paul wrote to these churches. When we study Acts and see how he set these churches up, we know who they are. But who are, who are our leaders? And, and how are we set up as a church at Doxa? Our leaders, we have elders, and they are Blake, we saw this morning. I, I didn't plan that, by the way. I don't know if David did before he left. But like Blake was up here doing announcements, so that was, that was one of our elders. Billy was up here doing the, uh, the offering. That was one of our elders. And then David decided to skip town and leave. I don't know where he's at. Uh, no, I'm just joking. He's, he's actually preaching for, for Matt McCarthy at, at, at um, Vertical Triad this morning. So y'all pray for him uh, and for, for safe travel this morning. So he had the opportunity to do that. So I love being able to get up here and preach for you guys. So, but that's, that's our, our elder council is those three guys, is Billy, Blake, and David. And, and they have different roles, right? So you've got David is sort of the, the pastor, shepherd, elder, right? And then you've got Blake and Billy who have to keep him in line, okay? <laughs> Bless their heart. But they're lay elders who, where David has a full-time job in the ministry, attending uh, to the church, shepherding the flock, uh, Billy and Blake come alongside him and, and where they have families, where they have jobs outside of this. You know, they, they do things outside of church as far as their, their profession goes, but they're here to, to give checks and balances and to keep, uh, keep us accountable, to keep us running in the right direction, to help us when we're looking for a building. Uh, that, that's one of the uh, huge things is to kind of help keep all that on track. So, so as we look at our leaders... You know, we're, we're taught that these, these are the guys who, who are helping us 
move Doxa Church uh, to, to its next step, right? And so the question that I get, and I felt like this is a perfect time to talk about it. David and I get this question all the time. Maybe you thought it. Lee, you're a pastor. How come you're not an elder? It's a good question. So one of the things that Paul does in all of these churches is he doesn't give us a specific blueprint about how you're supposed to set up these governing bodies. So you may have one body that looks this way, one body that's got overseers, one body that's got elders, one body that has multiple pastors. You see that where there's no set, you have to have this many, you have to have per so many people. No, he gives us freedom as churches to be able to govern ourselves the way we need to as we see fit. So in our situation, we have the three elders, but David also has an assistant pastor in me who is an ordained minister. I am a pastor, but I don't, I'm not on the same level or plane, I guess you want to call it that, as the elders. So here's the way I see it, okay? I'm a visual person. I had to figure, that, I had to figure out a good way to, to visualize this. We're, Doxa is a pasture, and you are all sheep, right? And as we, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> I was hoping somebody do it, you know. As we are all together in the same pasture, right, we have a shepherd in David who helps care for the sheep, right? And he gets his, he gets his uh, uh, marching orders from the master shepherd who's Jesus, right? So he's getting the vision and he's getting, you know, the, 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 the where we go as far as our sermons go, where we're headed that way spiritually. We're getting that. He's getting that from Jesus, so he's the shepherd. And then Blake and Billy come along, and they're the ones that look at the pasture and go, this place is getting crowded. We need to expand these fences a little bit, okay? Or, or you're doing, you know, the, the shepherd is doing a good job, but maybe we could, we could try some different feed with the sheep, you know, that kind of thing. So they're helping with the big picture stuff, helping to, to move this thing along. And where I come in is I'm not necessarily in all those things, but, but I'm right there next to David. And so when one of y'all runs off and goes that way, he's like, all right, Lee, you're the assistant shepherd. Take off, you know? Not that I do that, but I'm just giving you that analogy in my head, you know? But I'm here to help David, right? I'm here as a pastor to lift him up, to do what I'm doing today. When he gets the opportunity to go somewhere else, he can lean on me to preach. When, when we need uh, help with, with stuff about life group or we need, you know, whatever it is that happens on a spiritual level or that sort of the day-to-day -day things that need to happen that pastors do, because if you don't understand <laughs> what a pastor does on a day-to-day, -day, just, I would encourage you, like, follow David around. You, you won't be able to do it because he's all over the place, but, but just follow him around one day and just see all the things that he does. Meeting people, you know, he's, he has meetings with, with people in our church, with people outside our church. Here lately, with what he's got going on with, with our building, is he is just, he's, he's busy all the time pursuing that. And I love to watch him do that because he is so passionate about you. He's so passionate about this church. So, so that's sort of the way it's set up. I hope I didn't confuse anybody. Like, that was the way I had to do it. I'm like, I had to, I had to do it like, like we're all sheep, you know, the kind of thing. And so somebody asked me another question. While we're here, I'm going to answer this question too. As far as our church leadership goes, somebody asked me one day, he said, well, why don't we have deacons? Like the church I grew up had deacons, okay? The church I grew up had deacons. We didn't have elders, okay? But we see in the Bible that the deacon, a lot of churches, like the church I grew up in, our deacons really were our elders. But the Bible doesn't say that. The Bible holds the deacon as a completely different, uh, different role, and so you ask, well, why don't we have deacons here at Doxa? Well, the reason we don't have deacons here at Doxa is the deacons were to help serve. They were, they were set up. It was a position and a role to help uh, alleviate some of the tension from, from the apostles and the leaders of the church to allow them to focus on spiritual development. And the deacons came alongside and they said, okay, we're going to serve these orphans and widows because that number kept growing. Well, at Doxa... We just don't have the need right now for, for deacons because we actually have a pretty healthy church culture of people that are stepping up and serving. 
So like right now, we've got people that are, that are handling our kids. You know, we got tons of, of volunteers. We could use more. I'm not saying that. I don't want you to hear that. We always could use more volunteers everywhere. So if you think you want to volunteer, come see me afterwards. But we have plenty of people that, that are leading, helping leading our kids. You know, Carly leads our kids well. Um, Amanda helps with that. Amanda does our ladies' ministry. Trevor does our men's ministry. You know, I, I, me and Matt, Matt's done an awesome job of helping me with the welcome team. He was out there today leading the welcome team. So we've got people in place that are, that are helping do these things, okay? So we don't necessarily need to have deacons. Now, when we grow, notice I said when we grow, because we're going to grow. When we grow... We're gonna, we, we possibly could need deacons then. We, we might need somebody to help come alongside and help serve. So, you know, that's just one of those things where I, I, I felt like David and I, we talked about this message and we're like, you know, this might be a good time for us to just talk about this, kind of have a family chat and talk. So I hope you kind of understand. I hope I've helped answer that, some of those questions because like I said, I've had those questions and some people have come to me with those, those questions. And I hope I helped answer that a little bit this morning. But all that to say, this is who our leaders are, Okay. So now, going back to the passage, if we're supposed to love our leaders, well, why should we love them? Okay? Other than the fact that they're just awesome people, right? One per- like, y'all, come on. I know David's not here, but like I'm talking about, other- I mean, Billy is right there, y'all. Okay? Blake's outside. No, we love our leaders because, one, we have awesome leadership, guys. I'm, not- I'm just going to be honest with you. I've been in a lot of different churches. We do have awesome leadership. But Paul tells us in this passage exactly why we should love them. All right, there's three reasons here why we should love them. Paul, look back at the passage in verse verse 12. It says, we ask you brothers to respect those who labor among you, right? These guys work alongside you. These guys work with you, okay? This is what these leaders were doing in Thessalonica. They were on the ground working with them. So it's not like they're sitting in in some tower somewhere and they're just kind of lording over us. No, they're on the ground working with us. Both of our elders lead life group. Actually, Billy and Amy lead two life groups, to be honest with you, because they got the youth, bless their hearts. Um, Because I've got youth, so I understand. Um, But but they, they are not just... Elders who are handling these big picture things, they're actually working alongside and leading, leading with, the, with the rest of us. So that's one, because they labor among you. Labor there means toil or hard work. The second thing in that verse, it says, because they are over you in the Lord and admonish you. Admonish you is another word for instruct or to protect, right? So they have the, the, the calling If I'm reading this right, they've got the calling to be able to instruct or even correct us when we start to veer off course. This is who our leaders are. So that, I mean, listen, somebody that has the heart to be a leader and is able to do that, that has the the, the willingness to serve people and not just serve them and serve their physical needs, but to be able to call them out, that's somebody that we should really hold in high esteem and love. I love the fact that our leaders don't mind calling us out. Blake calls me out all the time, okay? But it's, an, it's a good thing. So, I mean, you know, I let him do it. Uh, and the, the third thing is because of their work, verse, the, third, the end of verse 13, because of their work, because of their care, because of their correction, because of the things that they do for our church. So this is the reason, this is the reason why Paul is saying we, they should love their leaders in Thessalonica, but it's also the same reason we love our leaders it doxa. So, so just, I mean, think about that for a minute. Think about our leaders for just a second. Think about these leaders in Thessalonica for a minute. Think about what they were having to go through. Remember, I told you there at the beginning of the message, all these things that were coming from them inside the church and even outside the church. And then think about our leaders here at doxa. I mean, the fact that they have full-time jobs, the fact that they have families, the fact that they lead life groups. The fact that David, you know, he, he he's, uh, does, that, does that as well. He's got, I mean, he's got four kids, bless his heart. Um, he's, he's not just pastor in the church, but like the other day, we were in and out of the office. We never got to see each other for like a whole day because we were all in there. I was calling, where are you at? I'm supposed to be at the office. Where'd you go? I had to go pick uh, Beckham up, take him to soccer. It was, I mean, he's all over the place. So it's not just that he's focused in on being a pastor, but he's taking care of his own family. He's taking care of his, his kids as well. So, so they have stuff that's, that's outside of the church that they're dealing with. So we should love them. 
because they're doing the same things you are, right? And, and, and they're, they're, they're building us up. They're encouraging us. They're leading us. They're loving us. This is why we, why we love it. So Paul then shifts and he tells us how we should do it. Because I know we can sit here and talk about why we should do it all day long, but, but Paul, how do we do it? He says this in verse 12. We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you. Verse 13, to esteem them highly in love. And then that last part of verse 13, he says, be at peace among yourselves. This is how we are to love our leaders. We're to respect them. We're to honor them. We're to acknowledge their high status and understand what they do for us and then love them through that respect. Listen, I've been a senior pastor before of a small church. I was the only person on staff. I've been a youth pastor before. I've been associate. I've been an assistant pastor. I've been all those things. And one of the things that I've seen through a lot of these churches that I've been a part of is the lack of love and respect for leaders. I've heard people even say it out loud. Well, they know I love them. I show up every Sunday. Like if I'm sitting there, then they, they ought to know that, right? I sit through your sermons, so that means I got to love you, right? I've preached some bad ones. So I was like, yeah, you do love me. But we think about that for a minute. How, how do we really love and acknowledge them and understand, like I said, what they do for us? How do we, how do we use that to, to love them? How do we esteem them highly in love? That, 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 those words there in, in the Greek just means to regard beyond all measure with love. Let me tell you how you love these, these men and their families. One, acknowledge what they do. I'm going to tell you what, for me, that was one of the greatest things that ever happened to me as a pastor. I had, I had a visitor one time come in, and he stopped me after the message or after the service, and he says, man, that was a good message. And I was like, it was good? I thought that was it? That's all you? I'm, but it was what he said after that. He said, I can tell you love these people. And I was blown away by that. Just that, acknowledging the fact that they love these people. Like, I've sit here, I've watched it. I've had the awesome opportunity over the last year, almost year and a half, to watch the leaders of this church love our people. Listen, Doxa, since I've been here, we've, we've, had, we've gone through some things. We've gone through a little shift. We had, some, we had some hurt happen, okay? And to watch our leadership, to watch our pastor and to watch our elders love you guys through that to anguish with you, to, to hurt with you. I've sat here and watched it. Man, that, that's how you honor and respect, just to acknowledge the fact that, man, I, can, I see what you're doing. Thank you. But, you know, like I told you before, they all have kids. So, like, I know, I know David or Blake or Billy, or I'm, well, I will say this. Julie, Darian, and Amy would probably love a, a night out without their kids. You know, babysit their kids for them. Give them a gift card somewhere to eat. Take them out to lunch. Something small like that. You may think, well, they're busy. They don't want to do that. Listen, you have no idea what that does. Again, just to acknowledge somebody, say, hey, you want to go grab a cup of coffee? You want to go grab lunch? And, and, and the first thing I'm sure they're going to think is, okay, what have I done? <laughs> but to be able to do that and, and to go, hey, I just, I want to tell you how much I appreciate what you're doing. I see what you're doing. I acknowledge it and I love you for it. That, that's it. That's an amazing thing. And this is, that's how we love our leaders. I believe that's what Paul is talking about here. To, to respect them, to esteem them highly in love, just, just let them know. Just, just to give them some uh, semblance of, hey, I appreciate what you do. And then the last thing he says there, and this is, this is just as huge, would just show love to our leaders. He says, be at peace among yourselves. That's another thing. If, if, if the church can, can keep peace, if they can live uh, at peace among themselves, Man, that's huge because I know in churches that I've been to, I know in every church that there's been times where there's 
division and, and there's, there's strife and there's turmoil. There, so-and-so said this or they didn't like this. Or, it, it, it can get, get chaotic at times. But if we are a people who want to show our leaders love, we do so by being at peace among ourselves. Because that, that's, you, you just don't even know. I mean, I was reading that and I'm like going, this seems odd for placement for what Paul's saying. And then the more I studied it, I'm like going, no, 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 this is, this is huge. Because again, think about what's going on in this church in Thessalonica. There's this whole group of people who are like, you know, we're going to sell our house. We're going to sell our, our stuff. We're going to stand here and wait on Jesus to come back. And when he hadn't come in 24 hours, they're going, you know what? I'm hungry. So I'm going to go try to mooch off somebody and get something to eat. And so they, they made that their job. And you can imagine that inside the church was not received well. When you've got this group of people, they're like going, hey, we heard you say Jesus is coming back, so we're just going to wait on him. We're not going to do anything. We're not going to work. We're not going to serve. We're, not gonna do, we're just going to wait on Jesus. But we want you to serve us as we wait on Jesus because that's what we're doing. And we'll, we'll learn about them a little bit more in 2 Thessalonians when we get there in a couple weeks. But can you imagine that happening inside the church? The stress that that's putting on some other uh, believers there in the church? Listen, we, we have to learn to live at peace with ourselves. And now, I want you to hear this because it's, it's really true. We, we, we tend to do that pretty well here at Doxa. But it only takes one or two times where that can be kind of crazy and chaotic. It can happen, and I've seen it happen where one person, they're not happy with the way things are going, and instead of going to the person they're supposed to go to, like you've got an issue with the pastor, who do you go to? The pastor, really? Come on. The pastor, you go to that person you got an issue with. But no, I've sat here and watched it happen where so-and-so's got a problem, and well, I'm just going gonna, gonna to talk to so-and-so. I'm going to tell my ladies group about it. Or my men's group about it. I'm, I'm, I, wasn't, I wasn't doing that on purpose. And then what happens then? It's like, oh, I haven't noticed that. And then so-and-so tells so-and-so, and then it gets all big deal. And then you got half the church going, well, we need to have a meeting with the pastor because he's not caring for the people like he's supposed to because so-and-so said he's doing this. And all it was was they had their feelings hurt over something, and then they decided to spread gossip when all they had to do was go to the pastor, and it would have been done right then. See, we got to stay, we got to be at peace amongst ourselves. Because the world is watching. But that's one way that we can love our leaders. The second thing, and this points right into it, is another way we can love our leaders is what Paul gives us here in verses 14 and 15. We got to love each other, right? Love each other. Well, why should we love each other? Well, let's just read, let's just read 14 and 15. And we urge you, brothers... Admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. See that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seeks to do good to one another and to everyone. So why should we love each other? This one's an easy one. Because we are commanded to. John chapter 13, verse 34, Jesus says this, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. I don't know how much plainer it can be than that. Jesus just lays it out there. And Paul is showing this church, this is how we show them love. So what does it look like? What does it look like to show love to people inside our church? Paul gives them four prescriptions to show love to one another inside the church. The first one is admonish the idol. We've already talked about that person a little bit. They're the ones, like I said, who are waiting on Jesus's return and they decided, hey, we're gonna sit here and wait on Jesus's return and we're gonna mooch on everybody else. What Paul says is, and he's talking to the whole church here, not just leaders, he's talking to the whole church. He says, you have to admonish the idol. What does admonish mean again? It means to correct. It means in love. It means to go to that person and try to teach them why they're kind of doing what they're doing is counterproductive to what we're doing here at the church. This one is a hard one, okay? This one is not easy. I'm just going to be honest with you. But Paul is telling us that we as a group of believers are to admonish one another. We're to help correct one another. We're to help instruct one another. And yes, it comes from 
The pulpit, I believe, it comes from the teaching that we teach through the Bible, through our life groups, through our, our men's and women's Bible study. It comes through that. But we have these opportunities through these things to instruct each other. See, here's the, here's the problem that I see in this that I've seen in churches before. Is you, you can preach this and then you've got two things happening. You've got one person who makes it their mission to walk around and tell everybody what they're doing wrong. Well, brother so-and-so, I was out the other night at Applebee's and I saw you drinking a beer and that's wrong. Sister so-and-so, I saw you when you walked in. Like you, you, did you really need to buy that? Because you need to give that money to the church. You walking up on somebody, hey, hey, are you gossiping? Well, I don't be gossiping. That ain't right. Y'all notice that I'm, I'm like, there's somebody, like I'm, I'm projecting somebody, okay? Because I've seen it happen. This is not a call for, for us to have church police, okay? It's not a call for that. It's a call for us to, when we see somebody and they're having an issue or, they're, or they're, they're doing something that's breaking a commandment or they're doing something that's not showing love to somebody else. Hey, we're, we're called to go to that person and say, hey, I love you. And let me show you, like, this, this isn't what you're doing is not right. It's hurting you or it's hurting somebody else. And in love, I think we need to talk about it. I believe this, is, this, this happens in our life groups. This happens in our, in our, in our Bible studies that we have. We're able to do that. But then on the flip side, I've also seen the person who they immediately get defensive. And as soon as they called out on something, they're like, well, you can't judge me. Well, guess what? Do you call yourself a Christian? Are you a member of the same body that I am? Well, I'm not judging you. I'm just calling out your sin. And when we do that, when we do that in love, when we call out somebody else in love and we try to instruct them and try to tell them, I'm sure it was happening in this church in Thessalonica where, you know, you've got these people are going, I'm just waiting on Jesus to come back. Well, you need to get to work. Well, I'm waiting on Jesus. Well, when he gets here, he'll take you. It doesn't matter. Get back to work. Okay. They're doing that in love. You imagine that happening. You know, that's, that's, that's tough. But I believe that's what Paul is telling us, that we've, we've got to be okay with correcting other people. And then we've got to be okay to take that in love. And it's another way that we can be a healthy church is when that's happening and it's not everybody running to the pastor and going, hey, you really need to sit down and talk to so-and-so because I saw them doing this. Listen, the pastor don't got time to deal with all that. If you love that person and you have a relationship with that person, you call them out. If they don't want to listen to you, then the Bible tells us to grab somebody else, go to them, call them out. If they don't do that, then, we'll, then we can go to the pastor. But we got to admonish one another. We got to admonish one another in love. Second thing is encourage the faint-hearted. It also tells us in, the, in, in, this, in this passage and, and in this, this letter to these Thessalonians, we saw it a couple weeks ago that there were some people that were hurt because they didn't know where their loved ones were. They had died and they were, they were asking Paul questions about it. And they, they, they weren't sure because they were just, it, it, it was bothering them and they were worried about it and they cared so deeply for these people and they just wanted, they wanted answers. Listen, there's, there's so many of us in church that are like this sometimes. It can be a hard time as, as, as believers to understand exactly what's happening all the time. It, we, we can be depressed. Listen, I'm just going to be honest with you. I've, I've, I've dealt with it myself. Like there, depression and anxiety and all that stuff. A lot of times people, they, we don't, we don't want to say this happens in church. We don't want to say people doubt their faith, but it happens. It's not always a bad thing that it happens. But... We've got to be a church that sees that and acknowledges that and comes alongside these people and encourages them. That's what Paul's talking about here. He's encouraging those who are faint-hearted, those who are, who are spiritually weak, those who have questions, who are, are wrestling with things. Like, again, this is not a chance for us to go alongside and say, well, you really need to believe this because this is what the Bible says. There's an easier way to do that. It's a, a much more loving way to do that. It's called you put your arm around them and you love them. You pray with them. 
You say, hey, let's, let's look at this together. Let's walk through this together. Let me show you how much I love you by, by, by being patient with you and caring for you and loving you. We got to encourage the faint-hearted. He tells us, number three, he says, help the weak. There was a lot of persecution, again, coming from these Jews, and so I'm sure there were people there that were feeling this, that were dealing with this, that were hurt by this. There were people that, that couldn't take care of themselves and they were having to deal with it. There were people that, that, that were being mooched off of by these idlers in the church and they, they had trouble helping, them, helping uh, themselves. Listen, we're called to help those that are weak. Listen, if you see somebody that needs help, whether it's physically, whether it's spiritually, hey, lend a hand and help them. I hear so many times where people will talk about, well, Helping the, the, the weak and helping the poor and helping the needy, that, that's the church's job, and we'll just let, let, let them do it. Well, if you're part of the church, guess what? It's your job to help the needy, to help the weak. But the other thing about that, too, is sometimes we can get caught up in this thing where we go, well, I am helping the needy and I'm helping the weak, but I'm helping them outside the church. And there's people inside the church that need help. See, I believe we're called to help our body first before we start walking out and start helping other bodies. I'm not saying it's wrong to go help other bodies. I think it's great. But if we have the opportunity to see somebody hurt, to see somebody that's weak, that needs help, that's needy in our own church, the greatest thing we can do is love them and lift them up. And then we're able to go out and help other people outside of our church because we've got to make sure our body's healthy. And the last thing he does, he says to them is, he says, be patient with them all. And this is the one that I think could be easily overlooked in this prescription that Paul gives us. Because he, he calls out three groups of people to the Thessalonians and he says, this is who you're supposed to, to help and admonish and, and encourage. And then he says, be patient with them all. I think he's talking about not just those three groups of people. I think he's talking about the whole church. You see, I don't know where you come from or your background, but I grew up in church. I grew up in, in, in you know, started in a little mill Baptist church and then went into a bigger Baptist church and served in a other Baptist church. You can see a pattern here. I was, you know, and somewhere along the ways, I don't know, I got the Holy Spirit, and then I was like, maybe I need to be Pentecostal. And I went one time, and that didn't work. But I, 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 sort, of, I sort of kept some of it, and I was like, no, I like some of that, but I don't want to run because I'm fat. Um, <laughs> so I didn't run. I just I would stand there. Um, but in every church that I've been a part of, and every church that I've either, either been a minister at or been on staff, just, just been a member of, people get hurt in church. And it happens far too often than I'd like for it to. Now, I've been hurt in church. I've watched my family get hurt in church. And what happens when we do this is we start to build up walls. We start to isolate ourselves a little bit from the family that's supposed to love us because that's what we're taught. That's what the Bible teaches us. This, this body of believers is supposed to love us and care for us and admonish us and all these things that Paul talks about. But I believe because we're all human, because we're all flesh, because there is no perfect church, there's going to be times where that happens. Let me tell you something. As I've studied through this, and I really truly believe this, I believe Paul is trying to tell them this is a prescription to kind of combat church hurt. Because if we're patient with people, we're less likely to push our own agenda. If we're patient with people, we're less likely to, to call people out when it doesn't warrant it. If we're patient with people, we're, we're more likely to stop for a minute and actually listen to the other person. See, when we're patient with people, we tend to suppress the selfishness that's inside of us. And I know not all church hurt is this way, but the majority of church hurt that I've dealt with and felt comes from people who want their own way, who are selfish, who get so caught up in what's going on with the church that they want it their way. And if you don't do it their way, 
then you've got to be wrong. Or they're the people who, who have a preference. I've, used, I've had that term used before. I'd prefer you not do this or that. And I'd ask him, well, what's, like, why? Well, I, I'm like, yep, nah, see that, that, that's. I've never had anybody come up to me and say, I prefer you didn't do this or, hey, try, let's not do that. And it end up being, well, the Bible says it right here. It's plain. It's in black and white. In the churches I grew up in, it, it was always something like, I really appreciate if you wouldn't do that because grandma and grandpa didn't do it that way. Or we didn't grow up doing it that way. Or having arguments with the deacons about the color of the carpet because them kids is going to come in here and they're going to stain it up and then we're going to have to clean it. Praise God we have kids. That's what I wanted to tell them. I'm not, I'm not venting, but you can see there's some of them just coming out. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's just, you know. It's like having, having a group tell me one time, I had a group of adults tell me one time, they weren't even leaders in the church, they told me one time I was wanting to take our youth group to Chicago. It was a huge deal. We were a little church. And God was just like impressing on me to just like show these kids, like we were going on mission trips every summer, but like God was like, you're going to do something big. I want, you, I want you to take a step of faith. I want you to show these kids. I want you to show this church just how big I can be. And I was like, I'm just going to go, we're going to go to Chicago. It just happened to be like the summer that it was like there, the, the murder rate was higher than anywhere else in the world that summer when we went to Chicago. And I had parents who were just like, you're not taking my kid to Chicago. And I'm like going well, then they're just not going. They're going to get hurt. I'm afraid they're going to get shot. I'm afraid. And I'm like, I get the concern. Trust me, I do. I get the concern. I love these kids like they were my own. But what was so funny about this was years prior, we were going to Walterboro, South Carolina, which if you know anything about Walterboro, <laughs> it was had the highest crime rate in South Carolina. It was like on the list with Chicago. Like we pulled up and... Colleton County High School one year, and there's already police cars out there, and we're like, oh, we get an escort. And they're like, no, we heard gunshots across the way at the gas station, so we just want to make sure you guys are safe. But my parents had no problem doing that. But we're going to Chicago, south side of Chicago. It, it, was, it, you know, that was, it was bad. It was bad. I mean, I'm not going to say, listen, we had one night. I was scared for my life. I kid you not. We pulled back. We went to Sonic, come back in that night, and like, Police cars whizzing by the school, and we're like, oh, what's that? No, so, one of our seventh graders, bless his little heart, he come walking out, and he goes, hey, hey, Lee, somebody's shooting off firecrackers. They make firecrackers, boss. <laughs> Head down, in the school, let's go, you know? Like, that's what happened. So I got it. Okay, I understood. But listen, we sh shared the gospel that week, and I had two or three of my youth that just, I had one of my youth that was so scared to death to pray. I loved her to death. She, was, she would never pray for anything. I, we, we tried to get her to pray all the time. She wouldn't do it. And I sat there and watched her. There was a couple that was right next to the, the house we were working on. And I looked over there, and she's over there by herself with a couple of their kids and the mother, and she's praying with them. And I was like, man, God is good. God was doing some amazing things. But see, if, if, if I'd have just... If, if, if they would have let their preference, their selfishness, I was just like, be patient with me just a minute. There's a reason why God is sending us here. There's a reason why God is doing this. And see, I believe that church, church hurt, it, 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 it is horrible because it's like, we're, it's like friendly fire. It, it's, it's, just, it's one of the worst things that can happen. But I honestly believe that Paul's really telling, if you're patient with people, if you're patient with the people inside your church, like that, that number will go down a little bit. Now, again, I don't want to downplay abuse that happens. I, it happens. There are some evil people that are in churches. I, I'm, I'm not saying that. I don't want to downplay any of that. But I've just seen a lot of church hurt happen over frivolous arguments that could have been handled a different way. And if we were patient with each other, I believe that can just take that number way down. And then the last thing, and this is the main thing. This is the main thing of the whole thing. If you get nothing else, I want you to get this. Paul says, do not repay evil for evil, but seek to do good to one another. We've heard David talk about it. We even we, we heard it this morning 
from the worship team. Like, justice is God's. It can be so easy sometimes, even in church, when we get hurt like that, we, we have this tendency sometimes of going, well, I'm going to get them back. I'm going to get them back, however. I mean, I, I, when I read this, I can even see in, in, in my mind Paul addressing these, those idlers that were in the church and how some of these people were just trying their best to get him back for what they were doing to them. So easy for us to get caught up in the situation so much that, that, that we, we get so drunk on justice, on wanting to be just and wanting to be right and wanting to repay that person what they did to us. And I'm going to tell you, I've seen some ugly things happen inside of a church because somebody wanted to be right and wanted to be just and said, you're not going to hurt me. I'm going to hurt you back tenfold. This is not what Paul's saying here. Paul's saying what David said a couple weeks ago, turn the other cheek. Isn't that what Jesus taught us? Like, we're all human. Somebody's going to make you mad. And if you get so drunk on, on being right and, and having to, to, to be the avenger in that situation, you're, you're robbing yourself of blessings that God wants for you to have. Because I've sat there and listened to people that they come to church and they're so bitter and they're so angry because so-and-so's here and they're, they're, ooh, they just made me so mad and I can't wait to get them back. And you're in God's house and worship is happening and, and, and scripture's being read and all you're focused on and thinking about is, is that person and how, what they did to you. And you're robbing yourself of a blessing. You're robbing yourself of what God has for you in this moment. He says, don't repay evil for evil, but seek, seek to do good. He's not saying wait around and, and wait on an opportunity. No, he's saying, church, we have to seek to do good to one another inside the church. And then he adds, to all. So where does that come from? Band, y'all can come on up. Because we now get to the, this is it. We've, we've looked at our prescription that Paul's given us and we're asking the question now, where does that come from? I get, Lee, you gave us this list of things to do. We're to admonish the idol. We're, we're to encourage. We're to love our leaders. We're to respect them. Where does all that come from? It's one word. It comes from love. It comes from a sacrificial love that can only come from knowing Jesus Christ. You see, church, this morning, I've talked to the church this morning. We have, if you've been visiting this morning, I hope you got something out of it. I hope you see a little bit about who we are at Doxa. But this morning, I'm sorry, it really wasn't about you this morning. It was about the church. We were kind of having a little family meeting. But listen, if you get anything out of this this morning, understand this. To love people like this can only come from Jesus Christ. Only knowing Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior do you love people like this. Because this is a sacrificial love. See, this is what sets the church apart from everything else out there in the world. Is it, yes, we're not perfect. And yes, there's going to be days where so-and-so's going to make me so frustrated and upset. I just want to, mm, you know. But I love them because Jesus loved me. You see, if our aim to be a healthy body of believers, if that's our aim, if we want to be a healthy body of believers, then we must make love a priority. That needs to be number one. And the only way, the only way that you make love a priority is that you seek the one who is love. So this morning, I don't know where you are. I, I, I don't know if maybe this morning you've, you've walked in here and, and you've been upset by somebody. Or, or maybe, maybe somebody has has bothered you or done something to you maybe, maybe you, you're just in here this morning and you're just you're fed up you don't know who to go to and who to talk to about what's happening you know I just I keep coming every Sunday and so and so gets me so ill and I just get so frustrated are you loving them like Jesus loves them because he died on the cross for them just like he died on the cross for you I don't know about y'all, but I just curled my toes in because the Lord just got me. 
Listen, if we're not loving people the way Jesus called us to love, then what are we doing here? How in the world are we supposed to go out and love this world for the, for the love of Jesus if we're not loving each other that way in this church? How are we supposed to go show them sin when we're not dealing with it in our own church? When we're not correcting each other in our own church? How are we, how are we to, to love this world when we're so caught up in what so-and-so did to me that I can't even see straight? Listen, this morning, I don't know what's going on in your heart. We're getting ready to sing a song, and I want you to have a moment this morning to where if there's something that's on your heart this morning, maybe, maybe you're just like, I'm just, I've been coming, and there's doubt. I just don't understand. I don't know what God's doing. Maybe you need to grab somebody this morning. Maybe, maybe, maybe somebody has laid, maybe, maybe somebody's laid on your heart right now. Maybe God is actually laying somebody. The Spirit is moving in this place this morning, and you've got a name in your head right now. Maybe you need to go to that person. Maybe you need to apologize to them because of something you did. Maybe you know that they're having some issues, and you just said, you know what? Hey, I just want to pray with you right now. Hey, maybe you just want to go up to somebody and say, I love you, and just give them a hug because maybe that's all they need this morning. I don't know what it is that God's doing in this, this place this morning, but I know this. I know Jesus Christ loves you, and he died on the cross for your sins, and he rose from the dead so that on that third day, he would, he would defeat sin, death, hell, and the grave for you to have a relationship with the Father. And he wants more than anything this morning, he wants the church to reflect that. So this morning, church, let's reflect that. have any questions about the topic of this sermon, or if you would like someone to follow up with you about applying this to your life, please reach out to us at info at doxaupstate.church. You are loved.